This is the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Justin Oswald underscore. Proceed with caution. With me is Brad Livingston. What's up, guys? We're back at it again uh, with another TC Weekly Follow-Up Podcast for the Real Talk series. Um, and uh, same as Justin, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Brad Livingston underscore. Uh, super excited about today. Yes. Uh, back in the studio again today, we have the legend, Pastor Dan Livingston. Yay. Hey. <laughs> Insert applause. Uh, Insert applause. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, man, this Sunday was awesome. This past Sunday was great. Um, you know, it was uh, just a good Sunday. And, and uh, we've, we're already getting tons of just great feedback, man. People just letting us know, giving us love and saying how much they appreciated this past Sunday. And um, just a good day. It was. It was day. a great day. Yeah, it was so good. Very powerful. Um, I don't know which service I liked better. You know, there's always a difference. You know, right, for right, those right. of us that have to sit in, that, that, that get to sit in both services, <laughs> you know, right. there's always a difference. Just a lot of it is just the vibe in the room from the congregation or whatever. Sure. But, um, man, they were both they were both good. Uh, I generally tend to prefer the first service. Um, from a message standpoint, that's mm-hmm. just me because it's it's fresh to me too. You know, by second service, I've I've heard what you said already, right, like just right. a few minutes ago. Um, but man, it was so good. This these topics are, man, these are important topics <laughs> that um I think I think it I think it probably scares some people. I think it probably scares some pastors. Um, not because they necessarily don't want to talk about this stuff maybe they just don't know how yeah and man i don't know it's just, it's it's good well and you have to you know we we have to give a lot of credit to our to our church you know what i mean because a lot of a lot of pastors can't preach on this kind of stuff because a lot of churches won't receive it you know and at the end of the day we're a, we're a part of a church that will receive um the this type of message and uh and not only receive it but prayerfully allow it to change them um and so Man, I, I, we, we have to give a lot of credit to our church and to our team because that's well, I, I makes think it what you're saying is very important. You know, for years, um, you know, our church was founded on being a diverse congregation. It wasn't something we focused on. It's just happened. It's just been the message we preach going to all the world, reach whoever, you know, wherever we'll let him come. And uh, so that's been our, our focus. But, um, you know, we've had a lot of new people come in over the last year, two years, you know, that have come in, not church people, not people raised in church, people that were grew up in a very uh, racist environment. And so Sunday, a week ago, when you introduced the justice over silence, we had a lot of new converts that that kind of was like a challenge to them. It wasn't <laughs> like our church people that's been with us for yeah. 15 years. And they came to us Sunday, came to you, came to me, and was like, I needed part two, man, because part one was hard. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand it. But you told us it was a part two that was going to explain it. So I came back. But, you know, so it was really healthy. I thought it was really healthy to see that the gospel is really working, that it wasn't people that are already on board with the understanding of Scripture that it was people that it was brand new to, but were open, like you said, 
to hear the truth of the gospel and go, okay, this is going to make me change my whole way of thinking, but it's the right way to think. Well, yeah, because that's what the, I mean, that's what the gospel does. You know, it's one of those things where we get married to our ideologies and we get married to the way we grew up. And, and so we're so committed um, to our way of thinking and the gospel does that over and over again. It, it constantly tells us, no, that that you thought was right is now wrong or that that you thought was right isn't even close to where I want you to be. Um, and so the gospel does that constantly. And if we're not willing to do that with uh, our ideology in regards to people groups and race and class and generations, and if we're not willing to do that, then we'll never, ever be willing to do that um, with our own life in regards to what the Lord is asking us to lay down. I mean, he was pretty clear, you know, what I mean? take up your cross and follow me, which means to lay down your life and follow him. Um, and if we won't do that with our ideologies, we're never going to do that with, yeah. uh, with with anything else in our life. And so it, it's so important. This is a gospel issue. This is yeah. not, this isn't some, you know, this isn't something we pulled out because we thought it was important, although we do. This is something that the Bible speaks to um, because we're called to go make disciples in all the nations. How, we, how you know, we talked about it. How, how will the world know that we are Jesus' disciples? Well, he said, by your love for one another. And so I have to love my brother. And, you know, so it's it's all those things brought together into one that this is a gospel thing. Um, and like I said, you know, for a lot of people, it was uncomfortable. And I appreciate, you know, I even told the ones that came up to us Sunday afterwards. I said, thank you for giving me enough grace to not completely understand why or what we're preaching on but to come back and hear the rest of it so that it all makes sense. Um, and so I, I, I thank them for giving us grace for them to disagree with us yet still come back. Um, and then they go, this makes a lot more sense now. And I was like, I, I knew that it would, you know, but I can't preach for two hours on a Sunday. Therefore I have to cover it in two weeks. So you got to come back. You yeah, know? I thought it was cool. You know, one of the guys told me, he said, I got to apologize, Pastor Brad. Then he did. And but it, what he, he said, you know, and I don't know that it was so much disagree as not understand sure you know that really didn't understand not correcting i'm just saying Mm -hmm. but uh you know he said i left kind of angry last sunday you know he said because i felt like the message was really at me and i said well it was if it was an area that god i said nobody was on the stage saying is it you but if it hits you that hard then it was from god to you to bring change to bring understanding so that we can be more effective and I, th- I think you did a great job, and and people really saw it Sunday that this is not a black and white issue. When you talk justice over silence, we're talking uh, the nation of Israel. We're talking um, women being sold in sex slavery. We're talking about persecution of Christians around the world. Yeah, it's not you know the black and white issue makes it an easy um, analogy or something that we can visually see so that we can bring understanding, but it goes way deeper than that. Right. That's right. what makes it even a stronger biblical issue. Yeah. No, and, I, I and, and I think the, the conversation can quickly seem political, which, you know, to me personally, um, I, I like that. Now, obviously, you don't want to be political necessarily from the, from the stage uh, or from the pulpit. The problem is, this is a problem I've always had, you know, not, not necessarily growing up in church, and living in the South with conservative Christians everywhere is a lot of what you can find in the Bible didn't make sense to me from a justice standpoint on how a lot of times 
those people are so close-minded with just their own people group, you, you know, right. and it, it does, it didn't make sense not to say that everyone that, you know, and I, I went to a Santa Rosa County, a very small school that everyone claimed to be Christian, yet there was a lot of race, you know, I went, I graduated with a, from a school that in 2003 didn't have one black person in it, you know, and it, there is this hint of racism in in that context, sure. yet there it's all Christians and are I'm a quote Christians, quote unquote, religious people. At Re- least. Yeah, yeah, and and I always just had a hard time reconciling that. Even in my time in church, you know, I I, I know people that I believe really love Jesus, um, yet some of what they believe politically, their policies if they had their way would really negatively affect minorities. Sure. And I'm like, I just don't get that. I can't reconcile that in my brain, you know? And, and I think that's what uh, this conversation leads to though, is it's beyond political in the sense of just policy, but we're talking about justice and injustice for people. Uh, and I like that we've been using the term people groups. You just hit the nail on the head. It goes far beyond race and black and white and, um, and all that. It just, when you talk about sexism and, you know, that now with things like the me too movement out there, all these things that's, some point are connected i just think the churches we have to we have to understand that i that i believe this is like the greatest time for us right now to be christians in the world we're in like what a time to be able to minister with the with technology at our fingertips that help us advance the gospel uh with people that are informed Maybe negatively, you know, you know, when right. you watch the news, but man, I just feel like we're at a good time to be a Christian. Like, what a time to be in the world right now! Um, and and I just think it's exciting because this conversation is going to happen. It's going to come to a head. I was sitting next to, uh, on the front row of our church, sitting next to Debbie sometimes, and she mm-hmm. leaned over to me and she said, "Did you hear in the news the new the new thing that happened? Um, since the Starbucks, she was talking about the Waffle House thing, just asking me." And she, this is, this is a black woman in our church, you know, she said, I just don't understand when it's going to stop. Like at some point this has got to come to a head. This is going to come to that. Like the two sides are going to eventually, and it's like, she's right. And I think the church has an obligation on, on some level to preach what we have been preaching the last two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's inevitable. I mean, the problem that you run into, I mean, even going back to the Puritans, um, as they came over, you know, the, the Protestants that moved into uh, the United States, part of the reformation of the church. I mean, the whole nine, I mean, those were obviously slave owners in many contexts. I mean, you have, you have racism deep rooted at the core of many Christian beliefs. Um, when you go back to the origins, where we come from, I mean, the SBC has just been, uh, is just trying now to get over this huge hurdle from the last year, year and a half discussing what they're going to keep in their, uh, I think it was like their constitution and bylaws or, and making statements mm-hmm. and their official press release and official statements in regards I, to racism and, and I, the history I, of it. I just saw something on Twitter today about the SBC as talking about the Me Too movement with women right. and the SBC's stance on women and submission and things like that, um, that they're having to evaluate these pro, you know, doctrinal beliefs in the context of where we are in 2018, you know, right. And that's just something they have to navigate through. And I think they should have to, I think it's healthy to navigate through that. I I believe, um, you know, the Bible's clear on, you know, the, the different order that God gave to men and women and things like that. And whatever your theology is on women in leadership and churches and all that, that's all fine and good. But, um, you know, just their, their sheer size of who they are as a denomination, they're having to address these things. I think it's healthy. Yeah. I mean, because you're, you're talking to, uh, you know, vast majority of the SBC is complementarian in any way. So right. complementarian anyway. So, um, you know, in regards to how they view even that particular topic. So, 
which which is going to be problematic you know when in a, in a in a if you're complementarian theologically that's awesome but in the world we live in where you know the that women are demanding equal rights and it it appears that that is stifling that and shutting them down in a sense and holding them back even in church leadership so you know the the a, a woman in 2018 may may feel a call to be in church leadership but feel you know that she's being held back just because she's a woman um without going into theology yeah you know what i mean so i think that's stuff that has to be addressed when i think so and i think that uh you know we need to be whether it's whether it's women in ministry or whatever the case may be i think that having conversations is healthy all day you you may never change you may not change anything having the conversation is healthy that's right um i think creating space creating room for people groups whether it's women in ministry whether it's minorities in society creating space and room for voices to be heard and education to be brought to the forefront on how things can change or get better, et cetera. I think all those things are important. Um, and you know, it's just like we said last week on the podcast. I mean, at the end of the day, what we want is more conversations about stuff like this. I, I'm not, I'm not a fool. I don't think I'm going to change 500 people's or a thousand or 5,000 people's mind. I'm not going to change my city in regards to racism, um, with two messages over a two week span. Um, but what we can do is have con- get conversations started, which is what we saw uh, happening, which is beautiful. Well, yeah. I, I think, too, we have to be really aware of when we say have conversation, have it with who? You know, we hear a lot of people talking across the table with each other, but we keep talking to people that already believe like we do, <laughs> you know. Good so point. if you're preaching or talking to an all black audience on white privilege, we're really not getting anything accomplished here. Or if you're talking to an all white audience, you know, on a certain top, you know, we're not accomplishing anything. We've right. got to live life together. It goes back to that, that it's got to become more than just a conversation across the table to try to convince somebody it, you live life together. And I, we try to portray that Sunday, you know, that, that we've lived life together, the different races and different people of different backgrounds in our church. We don't just go to church on Sunday together. Uh, we live life together. We go eat together. We go on vacation together. We watch our kids play ball together. We, we live life together, which allows us to understand the heart and the reasoning behind someone that makes me want to listen to what they have to say. Absolutely. Not just try to change my mind because we go to the same church or something. We right. deeply yeah. care about what that person's going through. Yeah. And it goes back to, I think, I think it was last week in the podcast, you know, it's like it's as Christians, we're called to love everyone, but no one's ever going to believe I love them if it's clear I don't like them. You know, and I think it goes it, this what you just said leads into the first point of Sunday with this whole talk topic of unity where we have to rename everyone, our brother or sister, you know, and that that from, you know, when we heard that the uh, two weeks ago at the at the conference, you know, that's step one. Right. You know, I mean, that's just that's just hugely important. Yeah. And, it, and, I, and I mean, I've listened to. I've listened to that message by Miles McPherson probably ten times over the last two it, weeks. I listened to it again yesterday, sitting on the beach, and it was just it, it was just so profound, man. Just some of the things that he was bringing to light and having that conversation just it, it's just so healthy. I mean, he's talking about, uh, you know, he was talking about the how when you don't name someone your brother or sister, then you redefine them. When you redefine them, you steal their value. When you take away their value, you give yourself permission not to love them. And I was like, man, that's, that's so true. When you create a us and them, it's us and then it's them. Um, which by default kind of happens, but man, yeah, renaming everyone your brother or your sister, um, it redefines what love looks like, you know. So um, whether the person is Hispanic or 
uh, African American or Asian or you know Indian, whatever, whatever the case may be. Like that's I, I love them like a brother or sister, and if I love them like a brother or sister, I'll care enough about them uh, to ensure that I share with them the most important parts of my life. Uh, which at the end of the day, at the end of everything, is the gospel. You know, love them mm-hmm. enough to take the gospel to them. So, well, that really deals with the issue. I mean, how often do we hear? People just use the phrase black people, white people, and every one of that race or that people group is classified and whatever that comment is going to follow. And that's not necessarily true. And most often it's not true. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so then immediately we remove the opportunity then to say my brother, because we've already classified them into something that we feel that white people all think like this, black people all think like that. And so when we use that term, black people, white people, and I see that a lot on social media and on the news where people are immediately, well, white people or black people. And so immediately there's this unconscious pattern of just classifying everybody into that group Yeah, when it's not true. These labels, you know, you see it, whether it's black or white or Democrat, Republican, or even things like um, words like millennial. You know, where where everyone's labeled, and then and then um, more times than not, it seems like people use labels from a, a place of ignorance. You know, uh, you know someone someone uh, negatively talking about an eighteen year old and how lazy they are talking about millennials. Well, number one, an eighteen year old in two thousand eighteen isn't a millennial, and you, you know it's like, and number two, you know you're labeling you know eighty million people. As lazy because one person seems to be, you know, and it's like, but we do that with everything. It goes back to what you said Sunday, you know, back to the the old westerns, you know, with right. with what they called Indians when they they called them savages, you know, the the Native Americans, you know, when you when you when you take away their personhood and their identity, you give yourself permission to not have to love them, yeah, um, or see them as how God created them, see them in God's image. You know? That's huge, yeah. And I mean, that even put you know Matthew twenty two thirty seven through thirty nine. You know, Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then a lot of us just kind of cut that off. We don't read verse 39. And the second is uh, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say, how could you possibly, if, if you don't and you say you love the Lord, you're a liar. Because how could you possibly love something you someone you can't see but don't love someone you can see right um and then first john four twenty says whoever claims to love the lord yet hates his brother or sister is a liar um and that's yeah, huge man, that's, yeah first of all the book of first john chapter three and chapter four is serious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah like yeah and, and i mean i when i read that and hear that scripture the amount of people's faces that run through my mind that I know they claim to love God, but clearly don't love everyone they come in contact with right. is staggering. Yeah. And then that segues segued us into, uh, into talk about grouping. And I think the grouping conversation on Sunday was what brought the picture together for a lot of people. I agree with that. Um, so we talked about the in group and out group yeah. thing, um, which was super helpful. Again, a lot of this coming from pastor miles McPherson and, um, some of the, the knowledge that he brought to us, which was so helpful. Um, and he talked about your in-group is the group that you're familiar with. That's the group that you you know their struggles, you're familiar with their pain, you're familiar with their celebration, uh, you're, you're familiar with your in-group. The out-group is the group that you're ignorant to. You may have the knowledge of their struggles, but you don't experience their struggles. You don't hurt when they hurt. You don't, um, you're not familiar with what they go through. And so you have your in-group and your out-group. 
And so we talked about how there's different in-groups and out-groups that uh, we, us three here, we're all pastors. This is an in-group. We are familiar with struggles that only affect pastors that no one else that's not, that is not a pastor understands. Right. They don't get it. Um, and they're, they're ignorant to what we go through while at the same time, right? Um, all three of us are men. So whatever struggles women go through, we are ignorant to those struggles. Like we don't get it. And I don't, uh, honestly, I don't need to get it. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good back here, you know? Um, So we talked about how uh, when there, then there are women who have had a child and women who have not. So that's an in-group that's inside of that group. So the in-group is that there's women that understand birthing pains. They understand the first, second, third trimester. They understand morning sickness. They like, they can have a conversation that I'm not able to be a part of. That's an in-group. And so when we boil it down, just like pastor said earlier, when we boil it down to just race when we make this just a black and white thing we're we're actually robbing ourselves from the ability to show sympathy and empathy to all these different people groups and in groups and out groups um, and really understand how it's built yeah i I had a a couple talk to me after church sunday and they just had you know very good questions they were they were really getting it and it was new to them because they grew up in a bad part of pensacola where though they're minority there was a lot of racial unrest and tension. And so this was like life-changing message for them. And they really received it. But I, I share with them because they, we were talking, I used this, what you're talking now about in groups, out groups, and then again, calling everyone my brother and, you know, how to love people outside of my group. You know, I grew up in a very strong Christian home, very safe, you know, uh, no drugs, no alcohol, you know, all those type things. And, but my point was this, you know, and I use the analogy, we have a, a young man that comes over here and he uh, attacks and beats up and robs this guy walking down the street. Which one's my brother? Mm-hmm. Well, they both are. Right. And to love my brother in group, out group, because mm-hmm. I would say the victims in my in group and the perpetrators in my out group. Right. But then I have to go and realize both of them are a product of our environment. Right. And I don't agree with what the guy did. It doesn't make it okay. But then I need to go, if he's my brother, then I need to go outside of my in-group to my out-group and find out what caused that. Because if he's my brother, I need to care for him as much as I do for the victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the church is great at gathering assets, but we don't know what to do with liabilities. Yeah. We're not willing <laughs> to take that risk, you yeah. know. And I, Yeah. Go no, ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think a, a, per, a beautiful example of that was the uh, – the situation with Dylan Roof, the guy that went in and sh- uh, shot, you know, was shooting when he was a white guy, went into an all black church and started shooting. Um, and when you saw the church's response right. to it, they saw this is a hurting young man who desperately needs to hear the gospel. And, it was 100 percent wrong in what he did. 100 percent wrong. There's no no yeah. justification to it whatsoever. But the church saw him as a brother Mm-hmm. And said, you, you know, we hope that you would find the Lord. Yeah. And it was Amazing just like, what the response. I mean, yeah. you talk about grace, yeah. man. Because, and, man, I tell you, you'd be hard. Let that script be flipped. Yeah. You know, yeah. that showed a lot of maturity on that, on yeah. that church. Spiritual maturity. Yeah. Spiritual maturity. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and so you're, you're talking about someone that looks at someone who's obviously not in their in group, um, but yet they welcome someone from the out group into their in group in a way to say, we hope we 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 desperately want you um, to find peace that can only come through Jesus Christ. Wow, I mean, wow! Go it even goes deeper than that. They welcomed him in before. True, yeah. You know, they embraced him. 
before the event happened, and then he turned on them after they embraced him, which makes that love they showed even greater. Right. right. The grace that they showed even greater. You know, we embraced you. You betrayed you turned, us. You betrayed yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. At the at the highest level, you could betray us, right? And yet, in the love of Christ and the truth of the gospel, yeah, they embraced him. I mean, no yeah. greater example. So, than that. so yeah. yeah, so let's lay that picture out, right? Young young man comes to a church, gets embraced by that church, takes a gun out and shoots people in that church. That church's response to him is, "You need Jesus, and we're going to love you. We're we're hurting, we're broken, but we're still going to love you." Pause. Let's go to real life tangible example for all of us. Someone on Facebook, someone says something bad about them and they hate them for the rest of their life. And it's it's like, okay, like we got some people who are really facing struggles here and people got are on Instagram and Facebook because someone didn't like their photo or someone said something bad about them. And it's like, man, you guys are ridiculous with some of the stuff you let control you, you know? Well, I preached years ago, you know, the number two signs of spiritual maturity are the words we speak and our ability to handle offenses. And America inside the church is very weak at both. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with our in-group and out-group, I wanted to give this kind of this this example, um, this kind of list. So there's two things. There's a thing called in-group bias, which is what we talked about Sunday. And in-group bias is how we see people who are like me, right? And it's your tendency to give preferential treatment to your in-group. So your phrase is like, I'm more comfortable with those like me. I am more inclined to spend time with those like me. I am more patient with those like me. I will give the benefit of the doubt quicker to those like me. I express more grace when mistakes are made uh, by those like me. It is easier to communicate with those like me. I will get along easier with those like me. I am more willing to go out of my way to help those like me. I possess positive assumptions about those like me. Um, And so that's in-group bias. So we're biased towards our in-group, but then there's out-group discrimination, which is people that are not like me, right? In the list, it's the same list, but then you change it, right? So the people that are not like me is our tendency to give less preferential treatment to uh, to people in the out-group. I am less comfortable with those not like me. I am less inclined to spend time with those not like me. I am less patient with those not like me. I'll be less likely to give the benefit of the doubt to quicker to those not like me. I express less grace when mistakes are made to those not like me. It is harder to communicate with those not like me. It is harder to get along with those who are not like me. I am less willing to go out of my way to help those who are not like me. And I possess negative assumptions about those not like me. And I think those are huge because, you know, like we said before, when you see someone um, going through something in the news or whatever the case may be, um, and they're, uh, when they look like us and they're similar to us and they're kind of part of our in-group, we show a lot of grace to them. Oh, no, that's unfortunate. Um, but when they're part of our out-group, we start saying stuff like, oh, well, you know, they, they might have deserved it or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, we need to show <laughs> the same grace to both people groups. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, yeah, that's just huge. So we need to, uh, which brings us to number two, you know, part of that, the whole in-group, out-group discussion takes us to point number two. Yeah, as we we need to be giving in group love to our out group. Right, give in group love to our out group. So much of the in group out group thing is is subconscious. I mean, yeah, you don't even think that you do it most of the time. You know, well, that's almost scriptural, isn't it? Something like love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Imagine right, right. that. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is when you most people don't understand, and for some people, it even took the analogy you know of us talking about. Um, you know, a real life situation, you know what I mean? Um, a, uh, a cop, 
Uh, a police officer shoots a young black man, and many people in certain in groups are going, you know, well he he let's, he he was a thug, or he 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 was this, or you know, let's get all the details first before we talk about how bad the police officer is. And and I'm not talking about guilty or innocent on behalf of the police officer. I'm just talking about let's get all the details before I'm willing to be sympathetic to a people group who's hurting over a situation. Like I don't need all the details to be sympathetic, yeah, the, or empathetic. Because what they're what they're ultimately saying is we want the details to know if he was actually committing a crime, right? And if he was committing a crime, it's okay that he got killed, right? Which is not which okay. is not okay because you know in this country you're innocent to pro- proven guilty in a court of law. It's not a it's not the cop's responsibility or job to. Um, you know, give out justice or punishment. Yeah. Now, and obviously, if the person's got a gun in the cop's life, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Sure. But, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think I, we need to stop there and make sure everybody understands yeah. we support law enforcement. Sure. And I, then, it, if an officer's life is in danger, he has every sure. right to defend I himself. Su- yeah, I, yeah. I and, and me, I know we're speaking on our church podcast. Me personally, I support law enforcement when they're obeying the law themselves. The minute they're not, I don't support that officer. <laughs> you know, and and that's the thing is, so many people we heard on social media is like, let's get all the details. Was he actually committing a crime if you know yeah. and if I him stealing a, a bag of doritos did not justify death like it's not the death penalty. Penalty there's murderers that get convicted of actual murder that don't get the death penalty yet right. yet a guy you know on the street in new york gets choked out and killed because he was selling cigarettes you know or whatever it's like that that's in, that's insane yeah um but it's different going to your analogy it's right. different when you know when a, when a when a someone kills a cop Right. You know, we don't we don't go quickly to let's get the details. Yeah. You know, it's it's um it's it's immediate grace. It's immediate like, oh, we need to you know, this is totally un this is this is not right. While at the same time we see a flip. Right. So what happened when something happens that deeply affects the majority community, um, a lot of the minority community just stand up and that. Well, that's how we feel when and it's like, right. well, that's not that's healthy. Not healthy like, either, the, don't right. like what we need to do is be willing to stand next to our brother when they're hurting for because they're hurting. Not because they're right and and not because they're, you know, we don't chastise them when we believe they're wrong. We don't only support them when they're right. We, we stand next to them in a constant de- defense of what they feel saying, even if I don't get it, you're hurting, so I'm hurting. Um, and that's what love looks like. You know what I mean? And that's what's showing that it, in group out. It's very much like, um, I think back to like September 11th, right? When, you know, the, the, the twin towers and the terrorist attack on our country, you had other countries like people in Britain were standing in Great Britain were like standing yeah. with us because, you know, it's, it didn't happen to them in their country, but they showed us compassion and empathy and love because we as a nation were hurting right you know it's 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 very similar to that in my opinion or like what you said when you reach out to you know your 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 close friends and uh, people that we know black pastors when something when there's when there's racial injustice when you reach out to them like hey i'm i'm with you i'm here for you you know um that's that's what it's about yeah well it leads you know it promotes what we're seeing today if you don't have that attitude you know if you're only seeing through the lens of one side then you've got the one side where there's, we know there's bad people out there in every field. You know, All there's day. bad preachers, you know, in yeah, it for 100%. the wrong reason. There's bad officers in it for the wrong yeah. reason. We know that the vast majority are in it, putting their life on the line every day to protect us, and we appreciate them. But when you see it only one way, then it feeds both sides. One side is now, you know, let's go after every person that's committing a crime and whatever I need to do, I do, whether it's right or wrong. And then you got the other side where we've got police officers sitting in a restaurant. Somebody walks up and kills both of them just because they're an officer. Right. You know, both sides are extreme 
you know, and that's what we see as we preach Sunday in our nation today. We're living on extremism. And and until right. we bring that balance that we see through both lenses. That third option. That third option. Yeah. That it doesn't have to be black or white, Democrat, Republican. It doesn't have to be this or that. We can find that balance in there. And it really comes back to the sanctity of life and the appreciation for it that every human being was created in the image of God and that we see that value of each person. And then before we make a judgment on them is why are they the way they are? Mm-hmm. Right. And what can we do to bring healing into that person's life? It has to be someone... You know, I, I think about it. It has to be someone that's living in some really, really long, dark nights and their loneliness to even think about walking out and taking someone else's life intentionally. Yeah. You know, wh- what's going on in that person's world? Yeah. You know, that would make them even think like that. Look at the young man that just went to a school and shot somebody in the foot with a shotgun and, and said on local news, I wanted to be arrested. Because I knew if I didn't go to prison, I was going to do something far, far worse yeah. than this. I mean, there's a cry in a young man that why did we not see it? Why did someone near him not see that or hear that cry before it got to that point? Right. Because we live in our bubble with six or seven people that we spend 95% of our life with, and we don't really reach into the world of people that's outside of our circle. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a whole world of people around us that are living in pain and hurt. They're lonely, they're broken, they're wounded, they're injured. And if we, the church, don't get outside of our walls and our little circle of having good church and the raising of the hands and the singing and and all the things that I love to do, but man, if we don't take that outside of our group and start listening and getting to the group that's not like us, then we're going to see more and more of this happening around us. Actually, go out and make disciples and yes. minister well, to people. Talk. Crazy, crazy wow, talk. Wow, what a thought! Jesus went to what six people's home in the Bible, and four of them were unbelievers. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, which which means he had a difference of opinion with uh, quite a few people that he was that he fellowship with. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that kind of that kind of segues us into number three, which was change the next generation. Uh, th- this concept needs to be deeper than just a conversation, but we actually want to labor um, to help change the the next generation in regards to what they see, how they see people groups. You know, um, I was I was watching a study the other day, and they said by, I think it was by twenty thirty, so the year twenty thirty, um, that they estimate that over ninety percent. Uh, uh, it was either America, I think it was over the 90% of America was going to be mixed raced. Um, oh yeah, that's coming. Whether, whether it was, yeah. you know, whether it's Asian and white, whether it's Hispanic and Asian, whether it's black and like whatever, like yeah. it, it was just going to over 90% is going to be mixed race. Like the idea of like a, a singular race in the genetic line, um, is, is yeah. The be Caucasian gone. are becoming the minority and that, right. and that scares a lot of Caucasians. Big time. It's white people. White people for those. They scared. Know what they Caucasian scared. Means. Yeah. They yeah. scared though. I mean, the whole we, we talked about this past Sunday and the Sunday before the the Make America Great Again statement on how right. that affects the two different types of people. You know, um, he, hearing that. But yeah, you know, Caucasian is becoming the minority, and I say bring it on. Like uh, that. Like this America isn't a. It's a melting. I love it. It's I love that pot. part. Yeah, I love that part, and I always have. That's why I, you know, I, I love you know some of your bigger cities and you know things like that where we're culturally diverse, racially diverse. But yeah, man, that scares some people. 
Yeah. And uh, which uh, segues into number four, uh, kind of wrapping this thing up today. Number four, Justin, what do you got? Give your heart to those not like you. That's right. Give your heart to those who are not like you. Um, and uh, man, such a huge, huge deal. Uh, one of the stories we had wrote down, we didn't get to it Sunday because of time, but uh, the Conrad's heart, the whole Rod Carew story that Miles yeah. McPherson shared, which I yeah. just thought was beautiful. You know, uh, Rod Carew, who was a Panamanian baseball player, 18 time All Star, hit when he was 71 years old, had a heart attack. Um, and there was a 27 year old white tight end uh, who played, um, he was in the NFL, played at Stanford, the whole deal went into a coma. Um, and his mom, when he was, when, uh, sorry, when Conrad was younger, he met Rod Carew. And when he met Rod Carew, he told his mom, he said, I'm going to become a professional athlete uh, because I got to meet my hero today. Who was Rod Carew? Goes into the coma uh, and his mom lays her head on his chest and tells him, I will hear your heart beat again. Then they, his heart ends up going, gets donated Rod Carew gets Conrad's heart, uh, and then he calls Conrad's mom uh, and says, "Do you want to hear your son's heartbeat?" And she and he flies to her. She flew to him, one of the two, and um, he was she was able to lay her head on his chest, on Rod Carew's chest. A seventy-one-year-old Panamanian black man, a white woman, got to hear her son's heart, who was white, and a seventy-one-year-old Panamanian black man's chest. <laughs> And which goes to tell you, we're not nearly as different as we think we are. And we have to give our heart, you know, that's a, a metaphor. Like we give our heart to those who are not like us because we're 99.5% the same. Well, if you're black, if you're white, if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic, you're 99.5% the same as a person that sits across from you, no matter what they look like um, and do that. And, and then pastor, uh, pastor Dan, just with a, a great amount of love uh, for two uh, very prominent black men in our congregation um brought them up on stage what were what kind of what was your what were you trying to communicate there pastor um for those that maybe haven't seen it yet or um maybe you can elaborate a bit more than you were able to on sunday well i you know it was something that i felt we needed to do um you know one was a spiritual son that's been with me for uh 25 years as a young boy and and now a leader in the church and and then the other one, uh, you know, he's 46, so he's kind of too old to be a son, but he's like right. a, a brother, you know, a younger brother, uh, been under our ministry. Both families represent four generations each mm-hmm. in our congregation that have been with us for 25 years right. and have walked with us through some really high mountain tops and some extremely low valleys and, uh, you know, have been amazing friends to our family. And so with the topic, you know, I just felt, you know, to wash their feet and with them being black and the topic we were on, we shared, you know, that uh, in Jesus day that there was uh, a role of the slave to the master was they wore sandals. And so when the, the master would walk in the house, the slave's first job was to take the shoes off and wash their feet because that was the dirtiest part of the body. And uh, because it had been on dirt roads all day and, you know, we wanted to wash their feet really as a sign of going, you know, I may be the pastor and I may be the white guy, but I want to wash your feet today to show you that um, there's no difference between me and you, that I'm not the master and you're not the slave. We're sons, we're brothers, right? you know, that we're equal uh, in the eyes of God. And we can't change the mindset of the world, but we can live life together as true brothers. And I appreciate you 
and my family would not be in the ministry today, and this church would not be in existence today if those men were not in our life and their families. It's so true. Yeah. So true. You know, uh, I tell people all the time I've known Tremaine since before he had hair. Yeah. You know, for those of you who are listening, he's got dreads down to like the bottom of his back, but <laughs> I've known Drew since before he had hair, you know, and so, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a beautiful, both both services, it was such a beautiful moment, and uh, and for those who have been with us for a while, it was it was definitely kind of it moved on our hearts but even those that are new um just seeing a moment of repentance and, and we took a moment you know the whole church and both services we took a moment um to just search our own hearts and say god wherever wherever i have been biased maybe not racist it's maybe maybe not look for injustice for other people but where, where i've been biased um you know lord forgive me and help help make sure that doesn't happen again um, as we move forward, um, because the hope of the hope of the world is still the local church, and we got to fix it here first. Right. Um, Big and time. so, and so, man, yeah. we just rejoice in. Um, it was a good day. It was a long day. It was the longest church service we've had in five years. But uh, uh, we're blaming Pastor Dan for that. It's first time back on the stage, and we go forty-five minutes over. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fifteen minutes over, and it was well worth it. It was. It was. It really it, was. It was. It was a beautiful. I heard there no was, complaints. There was no one rushing out the door. That's for sure. It was a. It was a beautiful moment, and uh, and uh, I mean, just just awesome. So it was a good day. It no, was, I, I, I think we we can't miss that because if we want to be honest, we went longer than we normally go, but our people wanted to stay around more than they normally do to talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, our people were really just hanging out, talking about what God had spoke to their heart that day. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. Well, it's, it's evident that we're opening up the door to a lot of conversation and what that means. We don't know. I mean, we haven't even had that discussion as a team, but sure. You know, at some point, um, the series, this series will be over at some point, you know, but that doesn't mean that the conversation stops. That's correct. You know, and, and people are, uh, if, if it's our job to help open people's eyes, um, I think we're doing that. And then, and then, uh, what, what's happening in the, the, the fruit from that is going to be uh, kind of exciting. I'm kind of excited to see where it's going to go, what's going to happen. Yeah, I know our man talk was supposed to end, and we're going on through May. Our men unanimously said we want to keep the small group going. And Sunday I had two of the guys walk up together, and they go, we know what our topic is going to start. Yeah. With Tuesday night, right? <laughs> yeah. Because we need to keep going on this. This is awesome. Yeah. You know, so it, it's not going to end. Yeah. It's going to no, keep growing that's, that's in a very positive way. And people want it. And the people, out, people that haven't even found TC yet want it. You know, people want the truth. They want unity. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's so, you know, the media preys on the mentality that we all need to be separated. Um, but yet at, at each one of our core, um, we know there's a desire to see unity. Um, and so people want this and churches that are preaching separation and, and all those things, man, they're going to continue to shut their doors um, at the end of the day. Churches that are preaching unity while at the same time living it out. Um, I mean, because we're not the only one. I, I thank God we're not the only church in the nation that's doing this. There's yeah. plenty of other great churches that are that are standing firm on this message and and uh, and and not backing down and and really making sure that their uh, congregations understand the value of every people group. And man, we celebrate them as well. We're not the only ones doing this, guys, but uh, we're happy that we are one of the ones that are doing it. And so we're super excited about that. Yes, sir. 
So, Justin, uh, let's wrap this up. Tell them where we can find more info yeah. on the church. Yeah, you can find the information. Or if you want to check out the messages, uh, you can, uh, on the podcast, um, we, we post the, the, the sermons if you want, if you missed it and want to check out what we're talking about. Or you can visit TransformationChurch.com. You can follow our church on Facebook and Instagram at Transformation Pensacola. Um, and it would mean a lot to us if you would, if, if this podcast is speaking to you, if you would, um, if you would share it on social media, if you would subscribe and all those things that way you're stay up to date with us every week and get to join along with me and pastor brad as we uh dive into the topics of our church and what we're discussing we'd love to have you a part of the conversation with us uh you could tweet us questions uh me and brad on on twitter we're both on twitter at uh i'm at justin oswald underscore he's at brad Lemison underscore you can tweet us questions or comments or you can even send an email to uh follow up at transformationchurch.com. That's it, guys. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. So if you found us, maybe you found us from a Facebook share or something like that, click subscribe on whatever uh, medium that you're using to listen to this. That way you'll get it every single week and you can keep track of uh, all the stuff that we're talking about. Um, But we greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. Pastor Dan, thank you again for uh, being with us uh, another week on the podcast. So it's great. It's great awesome. to have you. Hey, we love it. Appreciate all, right. all you're doing. All right, guys. Hey, listen, thank you guys so much. We love each one of you. We will catch you guys later. See you.